Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people and when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this The Legends podcast with me, Sarah Faruya from Sarah Faruya Coaching. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them. And welcome to my very fucking creative season. And the first creative I have invited to be on the show this time is dear friend and one of the most creative and truthful and heartfelt people I know, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, really well. And I've put my sparkle on for you, and people may understand why later, because Alex is an amazing person in the drag scene. So I was putting just a tiny bit of drag on for this. <laughs> Alex, I'm sorry, how do you pronounce your surname? I've asked you this before. It's Dragicevic. Okay, so Alex Dragicevic. Amazing. I'm thinking to change it, though. Oh, don't. Uh, I wanted something more like, you know, Latino, like uh, Alejandro Sierra. And I actually did change it on my Instagram. I know. <laughs> Much to my confusion. <laughs> That's a great idea. But yeah, so Dragicevic. I've asked you that before and I practiced before we came on, but then I got like a little bit um, uh, hot thinking about saying it. How funny is that? because we have to say unfamiliar names to us every day because we both live in Japan, Alex in Tokyo and me out here in Zushi. So before I give you your rock star introduction, Alex, I just wanted to ask you, can you tell me a story uh, that you've heard about or that changed your life or had an impact on you? Okay, I have one interesting story. I think the timing is right. And um, uh, in 99, before I came to Japan, um, I lived in in a war, so we had a three months of bombing season, which was happening from like April to June. So, you know, that was something that is kind of strange. I mean, strange experience with everything. And, but I didn't mean to like sound like too dark with this story, but the point is like, so, okay, we are at the party, despite the bombing and, uh, so they usually tell us what the targets are for the day. It's kind of like, okay, today we're going to bomb the bridge and this and that, 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 so that people actually can move away. The point was they're not interested in killing people, right? 
Yeah, but uh, you know, the point is like my friend lives just next to the bridge. They say they're gonna bomb and she's throwing a party. She's like, okay, come everyone. And you know, the theme is Madonna, of course. And you know, so dress up like, you know, 80s if possible and let's have fun. So I went, I went over there and I was a bit nervous. I was like, you know what? I don't really want to, you know, die like this. You know, I had like some visions, what what I want to do with my life. I want to move to Japan. That was always the plan. And so I tried to like sneak out and pretend like I need to go and get some drinks. Like we have drinks. I said, no, I I want to get something, something different. But two people kind of tag tag along with me and they decided to, to go with me and kind of like a support so we went there to that little shop and it was a bit further from the bridge so i was kind of safer and didn't want to go back so we took some drinks we sat in front and my friend looks at me and he said listen alex you know stop freaking out there's no way you know how you will going to die that's not like set you know if you think you're gonna die this way no, you're going to die completely different way. It's like, oh, I don't know. But just, this is too dark. Just distract me a little bit. I mean, I want to move to Japan. I have some plans and I want to do modeling. And he's like, okay, look behind us. And he's like, how many toothpastes do you see? And I was like, okay, there is very few. It's like, yeah, this is the thing. Like you're here and you have only one toothpaste. And you can choose that one toothpaste and use it. But once you're overseas, you'll have a different reality where you can choose out of so many. But it all comes down that you will have only one in the end. So it doesn't really make so much difference. And I was like, okay, what's your point there? It's like the point is like you don't know what's going to happen. And then suddenly some guy comes out of the shop drunk, crazy with, with a gun. And he's like, oh, come on, you motherfuckers, I hate you all. Like, you know, started swearing and he kind of, you know, uh, fires the gun three times up in in the sky. And I still remember the smell. This was my first time to have somebody firing the gun near me. And we just kind of was like, oh, my God, did this just happen? He's like, yeah, I told you. You see, it was three shots just for us so we were safer back there at the party so we just like ran back and we were like dancing to madonna you know what they didn't touch the bridge so it was a really good night oh incredible <laughs> story and so where are you from alex yeah i'm from serbia serbia and which city was that Belgrade. Belgrade. And what what years did that war run from and to? Well, war started in the 90, but it wasn't really happening at that actual place. So war was yes. moving through like Bosnia and Croatia and other yeah. areas. So uh, that was at the end of the war that we had effect directly on our country when we were bombed by, you know, NATO and stuff. So that was kind of my exit of, of Serbia. I mean, I always say like I actually, I mean, I was so lucky that I managed to come to Japan and I found that uh, model agencies that invited me to come. So I would always say I just came from a bomb shelter to the, you know, fashion show. So 
that's really how it happened. Well, that's a really incredible story. And like you said, very timely at the moment because, uh, you know, it's, it's real for you. Not so mm-hmm. real, a bit more abstract for somebody like myself. So I want to get into it now, Alex. Thanks for sharing that story. How interesting. So <laughs> just outside of my own realities that I've lived so far and perhaps for many people who are listening, but maybe some people who are listening can relate to it as well so i really appreciate that um, you know um yeah i think that somehow i i thought that's the first thing i want to talk about and that was one experience that i mean with the war happening uh at the moment i'm triggered i remember things you know i'm very hopeful you know i also know that yeah. it's different for different people and i'm aware that when you are not it is not happening to you. It's still not happening to you. You can't really understand. The world's changed a lot. So I hope that maybe somehow the power of internet or social media can somehow make any effect effect to that. But I just hope that those people there in Ukraine are safe and doesn't doesn't look good. Okay, since we're on the topic, how did you survive that without breaking down did you just have to get on with it how did you stay optimistic it was coming long time and you know there were uh, uh, people were always talking about it and we were always expecting something to happen mm-hmm. they kept just moving the dates and um it's kind of like a new james bond movie that's just it's never really a good time to put it out <laughs> and uh <laughs> And it's really funny because there is one thing that people don't know who didn't really experience it. Where just before the war, there is some kind of adrenaline rush going around. People are kind of excited. It's it's really surreal. And uh, I had a job to work as an assistant of hairdresser for some pocket money at the time. And... So I was going to work as usual, and they said, oh, they're going to start the bombing like at 8 p.m. And this woman arrives, and everybody's like, we're coming, they want to have their hair done, you know, for the event. (laughs) It was like, okay, here's the event, here's the haircut for the bombing, and I think it could look good in this way and that way. This woman came with a dog. So we were like... So what's your plan for tonight? Did you choose a bomb shelter? Where are you going to go? Because you can, there are few, you know. And she's like, no, I decided I'm just going to stay home. I don't care because they wouldn't allow me to bring my pet. And we were like, really? And she's like, yeah, we are a horrible country. I'm sure if this was happening in America, you would be able to bring your dog to the bomb shelter. And we were like, listen, honey. America will never be in this situation, <laughs> don't worry. Um, so it's kind of like you go day by day and some moments is really sad and in some moments you kind of move on and continue doing your usual and think about what's the new Madonna song that came out, you know. And I remember at the time it was Nothing Really Matters. That was the single. And we always thought if over there when they're doing bombing, are they like listening to that song and dropping the bombs? Yeah, it could be funny. That could be funny. 
But that's what I love about you is you take the dark and you put a, a slice of humor into it as well. But that's all you can do, really, isn't it? So I'm going to just give you your rock star introduction now, my darling. So you born and grew up in Serbia, born in 1979. And 20 years later, with a modeling contract, you moved to Tokyo. The highlight of Alex's modeling career was being a backing dancer for a band called the Sunset Boys. And the low light was working for Armani, flyering, <laughs> giving away flyers. Alex was also always interested in photography and video and was known as the person who would always hang around with the camera in his hand, always saying. In that time, he produced lots and lots of trashy postmodern videos, and perhaps we'll talk a bit about those later. So fun fact is this. The first ever music video uploaded to YouTube was one of Alex's videos by an artist called Copy. And it's called Lick My Brain in Silence. And I've just been watching it at 16 years ago when YouTube first kicked off. Pretty amazing. That's true. The first. The first. <laughs> uh, he says it's dangerously low quality, but he's quite happy. Uh, and it made some kind of history. I loved it. I loved its lo-fi kind of uh, <laughs> resolutions, etc. His highlights were Vogue in 2011, behind the scenes video for a famous photographer and all editors together joining for post-earthquake support for Japan. Several makeup and hair tutorials for Vogue Japan. He's uh, done the introduction video for GQ with James Franco. Love James Franco. He's such a multi-hyphenate artist. Video production for the interview with Miranda Kerr for Vogue Japan and the production of the summer campaign for Fiat. Um, and our good friend works for Fiat, right? Yeah, Tiziana. Tiziana. Love her. I'm, I'm hoping to have her on next, uh, next round with the game changers. From 2014 to 2016, he spent most of his time traveling around the world and doing work on the fly. He enjoyed expanding his work toward a very diverse types of clientele. And that included videos for yoga teachers, wine specialists, authors, foodies, doctors, drag queens. And it was a really exciting time for him experiencing a digital nomad lifestyle in the spirit of wings being roots. Oh my God, I love that. I'll have to dig into that later. <laughs> Prior to settling back into Japan, Alex produced, and I would look this up on YouTube as well, we'll link to it below, produced a documentary about Roisin Murphy, the former singer of Maloko and now a very, very, very influential artist who did such good work during the lockdown as well. Um, and his documentary is called Realness. It's available on YouTube and it summarizes Alex's love for drag and this amazing artist in the world of drag and how she influenced the San Francisco drag scene as well. And from 2016, he's been working for Hirotaka Jewelry with visuals, photography, videos, and social media. And Hirotaka is one of the leading jewelers in Tokyo, making really beautiful, beautiful and contemporary pieces. In 2018, had a brief return to the modeling world, appearing in a TV commercial for a video game. And his other works have included music videos um, and videos with brands such as Fendi, Fondi, Fondi, it's it's a French Fendi. brand, right? How do you say that? Did I, did I was I like, write it wrong? Fendi. Probably, I just. No, no, you didn't write it. You wrote you wrote it right, but as neither of us is French, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. So I want to say Actually, Fendi. But that sounds a little bit pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Fendi. Fendi, F-E-N-D-I, <laughs> for the grand. There is a fake version called Fundi. Fundi. I've heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah my friend had a, a coochie watch that he got in Spain. <laughs> And Mia Mia. 
Mia Mia. <laughs> and for the grand opening of Guinness of Six, Calzedonia and Double Standard with August Productions and music videos for Brendan Riley, Copper, Gaff E and other artists. He, photo he photographs friends and young entrepreneurs, including moi, and created visual stories often just for the art's sake, letting them have the life of their own. In fact, my previous legend, uh, Yukiro, I met at Alex's studio when he was photographing them uh, in, in amazing drag. And he just did another uh, photo shoot with them, which was amazing. So his future goal is just to work with as many beautiful souls as possible. And he values honesty and humor in both people and art, which I think has been very nicely shown in our opening story that like honesty about the darkness of war, but also the humor in it as well. <laughs> Imagining people listening to Madonna while doing that. <laughs> yeah, Madonna makes everything better. Yeah, I mean, I wish I started off with something more cheerful. I don't know. I don't think it. I don't care. I mean, this is about the many ways to lead a life. So I'm, I'm here for all of it. Light, dark. I mean, who cares? I can't put a value judgment on colors. So awesome. So Alex, tell me more about your upbringing in Serbia and, you know, your your background and your. Yeah, your family life. I love to know people's origin stories. There, there, there are three things that people really don't want to hear from others, which is, you know, don't tell them about your time when uh, you were seven. <laughs> and don't, don't tell them about your pet. And don't tell them about your spiritual trip to India. No one cares. <laughs> well, well, let's start with your um, seven-year-old trip to India with your dog. <laughs> so anyway, tell us a little bit about that if you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it seems so so long time ago. You know, uh, yeah. uh, there is this concept where, you know, at some point you try to, to remember some, something from the past and you're not really sure yeah. if that really happened that way. Was it really yeah. happy or unhappy or was it really artistic or not? You know, I remember spending a lot of time by myself uh, drawing and singing. And uh, I was always like very cheerful and happy. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I maybe choose to remember it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of, uh ideas today come from the time of me growing up especially that area when i i became a teenager when i was yeah around 15 16 years old a lot of things happened to me then like for most of the people and it's very interesting but you know i have to create some visual or i have to create some you know video for the brand and then I actually pull something from the past I'm inspired by that one particular person that was going to school with me and was wearing like ripped jeans or something like that I think when you're young when you're a kid when you're not so bothered with you know what's really happening in life later on you could be happy anywhere it's I don't think it would make any difference if I was in New York or Belgrade or in London and stuff. So my hometown maintained very special to me. 
a lot of people I know left and uh, also they're kind of bitter about it because they had to go through this political issues and conflicts. But I never uh, grew into that. I really always loved it. And there is this kind of story where every time I go back, I come back and I just like, oh, I'm going to do something amazing with you guys. I'm going to just join everyone together. And, and a few weeks later, I'm like, okay, this is not working. I'm going back to Japan. And then two years later, I come back again and I do exactly the same. I completely forget that actually it's not really working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the human memory is an amazing thing, isn't it? Ever, ever hopeful. You mentioned the word hope before, like ever hopeful, yeah. ever optimistic. And, um, yeah. and thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Great survival technique. So you weren't raised in Belgrade, then you were raised in a, in a town somewhere outside Belgrade. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did I tell you that? Yeah, it's a little bit um, out of the city, like 20 kilometers, but with, uh, oh, okay. with the transportation over there, that maybe feels like really far, far away. Um, yeah. I want to go back. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to visit home. And sometimes I think like, oh, my God, I feel so far at, at this point because it's changing a lot over there. And somebody tells yeah. me, oh, they're turning into like kind of mini Dubai. And I was like, really? Is it true? It's like, actually, it's like a Dubai for poor. <laughs> that doesn't work. I mean, there is lots of poor people in Dubai, but that's not what you imagine when you but there, when you think there is this like a uh, famous song about the city Belgrade, and at one point there is a line you're the city where the time stands still. And that's actually written in kind of romantic way that that's supposed to be a good thing and you know if you tell somebody mm-hmm. the time stands still they'll be like oh you're boring too you know but um that was kind of the magic of the city where you know, it actually doesn't change maybe just in our head i don't know it changed a lot <laughs> i'm about to call like still recovering from recent you know, recent call it ah omicron yeah got it i'm so in <laughs> so um when you were in serbia the first the first years when like from naught to 10 then was that still when that was a communist country um yes 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 it was and uh I, don't, I can't really tell when the communism left. Did it leave at all? Hmm. I'm not really sure. Do you know what? Yeah. Like, That's okay. You're not a political commentator. I, You're here I, to talk I, about I actually your artistic don't know. Life. It's kind of embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> no. I, I uh, you know, politics were so important there. It's like talking about the weather in in UK, right? And uh, so they always talk about politics. So once I was out, one thing I never wanted to talk about is politics. And people would ask me questions. And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't, I can't really explain it. Just all these like different perspectives. And, you know, especially your 
growing up with some sort of media influence that comes from from yeah. there and you don't actually have any inf- information from outside there was no internet then and then um and then people are on the other side completely going in a different direction and then i um really enjoyed that like in tokyo you can live without really even thinking about politics of course that's a lot of things happened that we had to think about but what's actually communism i don't even understand anymore like i mean i know what's the basic and the original idea but this is kind of communist country but it's not but it's democrats um you know because we have this one president for like such a long time I'm like, is that democracy? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, it's and again, it's this isn't a, a political podcast, but it's just really fascinating. What I'm picking out of this is like what I was kind of raised on looking from the UK into that region and what you experienced being in the region. You said, you, yeah, it was, it was my childhood. <laughs> I was a child and I grew up in a town with some parents and that's just how it is. Whereas, you know, oftentimes we're fed these stories from the media of like, ooh, look what it's like over there. Probably the same for you as well. It's just it's just funny, isn't it, to reflect on this. And then, of course, that, you know, the war and the bombing that you described earlier. And then you came to Tokyo. What prompted that? Can you remember what age you started getting interested in Japan? You know, I was never one of those like, oh, I like anime and Japanese this and that. Whatever. I didn't really, I didn't care for any of that ever. Like when I came to Japan, I was just like, you know, I mean, I see some other people who come here and they really want to go to Okihabara and see all this stuff. And and I was like, actually, in 20 years, I, I went there only once because I was buying some memory card for cheap and stuff. But for me, it was, I went to this nightclub. It was called the, I would say in Serbian, Industria. And it was a really cool club. It was always open, even, you know, when everything else was closed. And <laughs> uh, I used to go there sometimes. And and then you have, like in every club, you have this kind of eat girls, right? And there was one girl that was particularly amazing and we would just go there to see her like did she arrive oh my god there she is now i can dance you know she's really making me happy and it's funny she was actually related to mila jovovich okay yeah so yeah quite a close relation and so you understand where she was just gorgeous right so she had this story like oh you're gorgeous you should go to japan and do modeling and i was like what are you talking about tokyo and she's like uh yes you know because over there they don't mind if you're a little bit short (laughs) so i was like oh that makes sense because i was 183 into the modeling you have to be actually 185 so she kind of gave me that little idea and and somehow it happened. I, I always say that I arrived to Japan, like it's a story of Alice in Wonderland. Like I'm sitting on a laptop and then I get on a website and computer sucks me in and sucks me out in Tokyo. That was kind of how I actually 
remember it because it is i contacted the model agent and then he did all the work but i was so lucky i mean and kind of crazy i mean i was just 19 well i was still organizing all that and i didn't have anybody here and then i knew of some friend who actually moved here and it didn't feel so lonely when when i arrived but i never knew i was going to stay that long and which is the case for a lot of people, right? Did you know? Same. Yeah. How long did you stay here for? I arrived in 2001, May 2001. So I'm in year 21 now. When did you arrive? 99. 99? Yes. You were such a baby when you arrived. So when I say party like 99, I really mean it. <laughs> That's incredible. So, I mean, tell me about those early modeling days and what, how did you get into the scene and what did you, what did you do? What, what, like, I mean, you must have been what I was wild when I was in my teens. Like, just going to say early drag days. I always, I, I, I was going to say, say that. I was going to say that, but I just mean your early days here. <laughs> That's what you meant. Yeah. But just like the whole, like, how did you get into it? Because then, like, there's so, like, it literally is like being Alice in Wonderland in Tokyo. You get sucked in here and sucked in there, sucked in everywhere. I mean, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. And then it just depends on either who you fall in with, what your preferences are, what music you like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What you, you know, what, because come on, tell us about your early days here. But you know what? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't so glamorous. It's more like a joy from friends. You know, that, that kind of modeling, that's how I remember it, really. And I remember my first casting was for Versace uh-huh. at the Harajuku station. Didn't even look at me. It was kind of like, okay, next. <laughs> and then there was, I was always so goofy at this casting. So I just couldn't take it so seriously. And I remember this casting for Seinyaki. And I was, you know, Madonna had this video, Madonna music, when she wore white and golden shoes. And I just did the same. I showed up because I was like, I'm feeling like I'm yeah. having my Madonna moment. Anyway, they look at me and they're mm-hmm. like, can I just measure you? you know, is this correct? I mean, it looks a little bit bigger. And they checked and it was bigger. And then they were like, you know what? You're four centimeters over <laughs> from what it says on a composite card. How did that happen? And I was like, you know what? I went to Kyoto and I got really into this whole spiritual life. I couldn't really be bothered thinking restrictions on food and stuff. My manager turns to me, it's like, listen, Alex, you either lose your weight or find a spiritual job. And I was like, okay. So yeah, that was an interesting story, but it wasn't all, all that. I had some some good good jobs, and I did some um, fashion shows and some TV commercials, and um, yeah, it was great. But eventually, you know, I I stopped doing it because, you know, my model agent calls me up. He's like, Alexander, I have a job for you. It's for Armani, and I was like, Oh my god, it's amazing! I always wanted to work for Armani. I mean, it sounds so cool. It's like, where is it? It's like, are you going to be giving away flyers at Isetan? I was like, okay, right. And I couldn't say no. So I I did three days of doing that. 
And uh, the client complained that I wasn't ganky enough, like wasn't happy. It's like, oh, how happy I should be. Like I'm giving away the flyers. But you know, Japanese are very good at that. They have really, they give it all like the way they do it. And I guess that wasn't really my career choice. <laughs> That's not really how I saw myself. You know, it's good because I'm, uh, I work in photography and videos now and uh, I work in fashion. So everything I, I learned modeling helps me understand models when they work with me. Although this is now a different generation and different kind of people in general. But, you know, when I have castings, I, I have a little bit more empathy. I, I don't just dismiss them or I try to connect a little bit and talk and and actually, I feel always really bad when they when I cannot uh, take them on on a job. So I would rather have a smaller castings with fewer people, so there is less rejection. Oh, you're going such on. a sweet soul. That's really empathetic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually really true. But recently, I even uh, just pick one model, and I know okay, I want her. And then she comes to the studio and then I do a test. And often I can even tell just from pictures if she'll be the right model for me. But um, sometimes it's just some small details that just doesn't, they don't work. Like for example, um, yeah, she doesn't have a pierced ears but I need you know stuff like that and what I really like there Alex and from a coaching perspective is that what you've done is rather than trying to fit yourself into the mold of having like 20 people to cast and then rejecting 19 you've you've made it work for yourself you've gone right this this upsets me this hurts my soul so I'm just gonna I'm gonna find the model I want and then invite that person to come to my to my studio then you don't have to put yourself through that kind of pain and give your energy away in that way. That's really, really smart, actually. Did you know that? <laughs> Not really. Like, I, I never really, I mean, I'm telling you this now and it's really true, but I don't really think, oh, this is how I do stuff. And uh, it's also safer <laughs> today with pandemic and, and all that. Oh, yeah. So I never... It just in any way want to take anybody's time for no reason. And you know, when you when you're actually modeling and they just put you in the studio, invite you over like way early, they keep you staying for too long. It doesn't need to be that long. You know, sometimes you know the show doesn't start until noon and they have you there from 6 a.m. They really, you know, it's not necessary, but it's like okay the way it's supposed to be so I always keep like shoots like very short like I'm thinking okay four or five hours max you know because people get tired and it's oh yes you're really clever in that way because I remember like I've I've hired hired um, Alex to do a shoot with me and actually the last all the all the legends um thumbnails are all his photographs when I had like a little quiff really really short hair and I love those photographs they're among the favorite one of my favorite photo shoots I've ever done I'm not a model but I just really enjoy having photo shoots because you learn so much about yourself and you have to like humble yourself to the the person who's photographing you and give them stuff and there was a couple of things I noted first was you made me go down to Shake Shack and get a big smoothie (laughs) a big banana smoothie and I was like okay this is interesting he goes yeah you'll get tired 
So it's really thinking ahead, like for like, and after half an hour or an hour, because it does take quite a lot of energy, both physical and mental energy, especially if you're not a model to kind of, you know, do what's required of you. But then the other thing that I really enjoyed working with you was like, you just shouted at me, come on, give me something. <laughs> and I was like, all oh, right, yeah, this is a this is an exchange. This isn't just me getting photographed by somebody. It's really frustrating. It's like, and I, and I don't want to sound pretentious on your behalf, Alex, because I know you hate that. But it's like, you're an artist and you need something to work with. So if I'm just kind of doing a smile here and a smile there and not giving you anything a bit bigger or a bit different or a bit different shapes, that's actually really frustrating for you. And I'm not playing nice with you. And I loved that. It was like one of those, it was a coaching moment for me where I was like, I need to give this person something, no matter how stupid I feel or no matter how self-conscious I feel, I have to get over that so that I can give this person, this artist, something to work with. I appreciated that. Yeah. And the smoothie. But, <laughs> but the thing is, because I spend more time on the other side of the camera, now yeah. I almost never get photographed. And if it happens, I know it's, it's very stressful. It's, it's kind of uh, not easy. You, know, you become self-conscious. You think, do I look right? And... And, and my friend, yeah. and I'm trying yeah, too hard. Yeah, so <laughs> everything goes through your head, so, and then you want to do your best, right? And but I guess this is where a photographer is there to kind of inspire you, maybe, uh, or kick you out of it. Like I appreciated that direct kind of "come on, give me something." <laughs> I was like, "Oh," <laughs> it kind of got me out of the spell of my own ego. Yeah. Actually, this is interesting about photography. It's like, and I somehow, you know, think like, okay, maybe for like 10 years of taking pictures, I should at least know some basic things about how it works technically. But I'm just not a technical photographer. I just go about, you know, and uh, if somebody would tell me, oh, can you just redo this? And I would be off guard. I was, you know, I kind of know, but. It doesn't work for everyone, everything. You know, everybody has a different face and uh, you can have a perfect setup for one person. It's not going to work for another person. And then also people have some kind of, they could be very charismatic, but they could be not so charismatic. It depends. So somebody really said this one, which I found kind of interesting, that photography is kind of, it's not about the, the subject. It's not even about the photographer. It's about relationship between two of them. So you're actually photographing the relationship. And, you know, and if you want somebody to look angry, then you make them angry. And if you want somebody to smile then you and laugh, then you make them laugh. And where is it challenging? It's like when you want somebody sexy. I don't know how they do that. You know, I'm thinking again about madonna's book sex and uh and i wonder what was it was she like you know just being horny like at home with uh, some hot people and photographer just goes around and captures her because it looks very um authentic it looks like it's really happening mm. so yeah that's about photography i think yeah it was so much fun uh working with you and you had this like really cool haircut and I, I thought you kind of thought it through like you had some really nice outfits so you had some image of 
how you want to be seen. And then uh, we just uh, try a few things. And I remember that uh, shot where you are like spinning and your earrings uh, flew out. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool shot. Oh my yeah. god, I'll have to find that one. I have. I don't know where that one is. I'll try to find that one. That's so, so interesting what you say there about the relationship. It's so important the relationship is in photography. And there's something else in here about expertise as well, but that's about the models I was thinking about when you were talking about Madonna. So I'd like to come back to that. But that relationship is so important and you being able to just say what you want to, because the other <laughs> thing is about trying to look sexy is like that's off the cards for me, because whenever I'm not smiling, and this was something you noted as well when we were working together was like, you like, you look like you're going to punch me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. I just look kind of miserable and cross. So all my photos that we did together are basically me smiling. Whereas somebody like Tiziana can really like, she can do a really serious face, but still look really soft and gentle. And I just, I love that. I love that kind of, that thing that everybody's different and the way that they have to present themselves is a bit different. She smiles a lot too. Yeah, she I does smile a lot too. There's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah. And yeah. she has this like amazing, beautiful smile. I just yeah. posted a video of her on Instagram today. and. Yeah. I found something. I'm going through. I mean, you triggered a lot in me now with this podcast because yeah. you asked me to write the, bio. Uh, my bio. And then yeah. I um, I looked around and I was really kind of everything I said. I had to actually double check. Did this really happen? Is it really <laughs> relevant? Is this important and stuff? So I ended up looking at all my old videos and then find her. And she basically sings and she's so beautiful wearing this like red jacket with a red hat. And um, then I messaged her and I was like, look, you know, this, this was just so wonderful. I'm going to post it. And she's like, go for it. And she'll be a lot of fun to be on a, on a podcast. I, I, oh, absolutely. I've been waiting for the right moment to have her on. I mean, she's just such a... Is she next? wonderful soul no it'll be next uh next round the game changers and i feel like she's a real game changer the way she's what she's done in fiat uh, alfa romeo so but back to you so the other thing that you keep mentioning about madonna and thinking about when she did her book sex which was 90 was that 99 as well maybe 93 93 oh my god yes it was by that point she'd been in the business for 10 plus years right and she was so driven so she had all the, and Naomi Campbell and all the other people who appeared in there with her she'd been in the business for so long by that point she'd been photographed that many times that she was a real pro and that's why when people talk about I, I love models I love Vogue magazine I collect it I love I love all of that stuff because I feel like they're real pros that you can't like there's something so amazing about a good model and how they kind of move themselves. I don't know if this, you're probably thinking this is bullshit, but I really think that when people practice and have that kind of gorgeous match of like um, practice, magic, and the right mindset, that something really amazing happens. And I think that the best models are like that as well. And that is probably why the sex book was so good, because even if they're just putting it on, it still looks authentic because they've practiced yeah. so much. I don't know. What do you think? I think, you know, people think like models is just like being beautiful and that's it. There is some skill there. And 
hotness. I didn't really know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even then they asked you to leave, Alex, come on. <laughs> I was good with giving flyers. That's where it went. Yeah. Yeah, the, the true tomatoes with me. Yeah, but you know, some people just, you know, have so much to to show and they, you just don't know from which angle to take pictures from first. And yes, so it's good, but I also like photographing people that are not models. So my idea of beauty is very big, so broad, right? Um, you know, anything could be beautiful and i'm i'm looking for this kind of sparkle that people could have or not and um it doesn't mean that i don't want to somebody who is not beautiful in my eyes i don't want to take pictures of them so everything becomes beauty really it's up to you that's that's how you have to um to see it i imagine but uh it's not, there's not like a standard, oh, this is what's beautiful, this is what it's not. But I'm I'm drawn into people who are warm, who are, uh, I like people who are cheerful and who smile and, and things like that. And um, I just want to be around them. So then it's, uh, it's fun to take pictures, you know. I'm not so good with people who are like completely cool and cold, you know, uh, Although they could be so interesting for pictures as well, but I'm just personally, um, I don't know how to get around them. <laughs> I mean, when I was watching you photographing Yukiro in drag, like they just had so little inhibition. And I, I was watching with fascination thinking, right, next time I do a photo shoot, I'm going to give more because the it just comes out so much better. So you might think you're doing that, but it comes out like that. Yeah, I really l- learned a lot watching that. Mm, yeah, Yukira is like, this is not the first time we take pictures. We did a few times. Yeah. I even have some really old pictures of Yukira. In, but then this, this shot was amazing because I was playing with uh, background colors which you did with you too yeah I think that's you right were the first yeah. one to actually help me test it it was so creative i was like what's he doing you're buying all these like pink and green vinyl folders. No, no, don't give away everything but <laughs> and then you got the special sauce and put them inside the folders <laughs> yes, 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 yes. it's just very simple like techniques it was so interesting yeah. i won't say any more your secret's safe with me <laughs> no but i don't even know if that's how it's really done i just tried okay and it works and so i did the same and uh, i was trying to get a bit more okay i did like pink background and yellow on yukiro and yukiro had very white face and somehow it looked so amazing I, against the background and we actually which doesn't really come through on the pictures we were trying to do reference to uh Thierry Maglair that was kind of a thought process but it didn't it doesn't look like Thierry Maglair it, it looks even better but um Who, say that again 
The references. Thierry Mugler. That's. Uh, oh, Thierry Mugler. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I, recently I died. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. No, I, it's just yeah. The French name, a French name with a Serbian accent being listened to by a British Japan. lady. Not <laughs> I don't know. Is it Thierry? It's such a mess. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not with us anymore. So I was. No, he's so amazing. I loved him and his all that wild plastic surgery he had. I just I love the way he had kind of crafted himself into this wild-looking kind of cartoon character. I loved it, but still was producing amazing clothes. Yeah. Mm, I like. Yeah. yeah, I like a lot of things about him, and then. I was like, okay, let's try to do something what he would do, but yeah, I think it's not that simple. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that simple to reference. But it came people. out different. It came out some kind of Alice in Wonderland character. Yes, you know, yes. that that's yes. how it actually ended up looking. And um, okay, one thing about me, and I shouldn't be really proud about this, but uh, I. I go with some reference and then I just go from there and then in some completely different direction, which I personally think it's good because you yeah. don't want to be copying something. You're not copying. Yeah. And you, you're you then inspired by something and that's um, how you create something for yourself, your own. And But, you know, in commercial work, they give you like we want this a and we want exactly that and this is where i'm a bit off guard it's like why it has to be exactly like that you're but- such a rebel alex aren't you really hate following people's <laughs> you really hate following people's instructions but no but it's, it's not it's not a good thing it's, i'm not so proud of it and uh of course i i go with people's ideas and yeah. but as I said, like every face is different. Every lighting is different. Everything, you know, probably drag queens wouldn't agree with me, you know, but uh, I, you know, because they could really recreate something like, okay, I'm going to look with this kind of makeup and that, and I'm going to completely transform. But um, I like when the essence of the person kind of comes true. Well, that's a good drag queen does that anyway, right? Even if they're doing a full transformation into somebody, they're still, they're still there. Yeah, but they saw some videos where I don't share a needle looking exactly like Trixie. Somehow, yeah. Sharon will do some show. She dressed up. She looks pretty much, it's like, how did she do that? It's not, they're not even similar. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I've got a great video clip, actually, of Yukiro going, Sharon fucking needles, where are you? How, how dare you not come to Tokyo? Uh, I must I must post that sometime, but I'm having a little social media break right now. So let's talk about drag then, Alex. What's your relationship? How did you get into the drag scene and what's your relationship to drag? Because that's really... So there's there's a couple of ways we can go here. There's obviously the Rasheen Murphy documentary you did called Realness, which is your documentary. Or also you were really like what you describe it as like it's not guerrilla videos, but like those videos that you did with the drag queens in Nichome and yeah. so on, like uh, with Marilyn and Brad and Kike. And yeah. what do you call those videos? The Trash Burgers. Trash Burger. That's it. Yes. Yes, I buy, I'm in Yukiro's film, talking of trash. Really? <laughs> total trash, I am I total see trash. That. Total, total trash. Where can I um, read it? 
coming soon. It's not, it's not finished yet, but they've just started to kind of put teasers out. So anyway, moving back to you, how did you get into the drag scene and what's your kind of relationship with it? And the Trash Burgers, the Trash Burgers, such great films. Okay, the, the Marilyn was turning 40 and then for her birthday, uh, they decided they're all going to be in drag. Mm-hmm. And even for the woman to be in drag, that was kind of taboo at the time. And yeah. um, So Brad and Kike were not doing that often, so that was kind of new. And Anthony used to do drag, but he had like a long break from it. So then I ended up uh, hanging out with them and doing videos. And that became a sort of like a regular gig you know i remember complaining you know i have this job and that job and i also have a trash burgers i mean like i can't handle it anymore and very dramatic <laughs> it was different i i wasn't really thinking oh this is dry they were just like my friends and we hang out and they were funny and stuff like that yeah. they were just like too much and everything is over the top and uh i was like this is really fun to make video of because the reactions of people are interesting around and they just get like um, bigger and bigger in, in some ways and they also they look amazing that was honestly i don't think even rupaul's drag race was on yet so that no no it wasn't no no it was, that was before that even though that's been going for about 12 years now i think absolutely yeah, not i no. think it was 2008 or 9 so maybe yeah, it was yeah, RuPaul, yeah. but it wasn't popular no no it may have been season one or something but like just to give a bit of background here um brad and kike are a couple who ran a a dance studio in tokyo called fab academy and it was really great um but they've since moved to thailand so they were like two of the biggest kind of characters on the scene and i actually there's there is a video out there somewhere of me dancing in my underwear to burlesque um (laughs) Did you go to the uh, dance because I went to the Fab Academy to do a burlesque dancing class. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was about. I want to see that twenty kilograms ago. I want to see you talking about trash. That's that. Oh, was such um, trash. And then Marilyn was like really well known because she ran Boudoir, which was like you know one of the first kind of places in Tokyo that did like waxing, and it was a beauty beauty salon, which was all done like a boudoir. It's really beautiful with all draping curtains and velvet wallpaper and everything. And Marilyn was a real character, and I can remember when I first started going to her about I don't know. She she used to call it vagina gang. The vagina gang. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, yeah, the vagina gang. Yeah, that's all she did all day was stared into people's vaginas and uh, <laughs> deferring them. Um, but she was hilarious. But I, I started to go there about 20 years ago, I think. And I just remember she just used to make you feel really like I wasn't hot or like glamorous or anything like that. I was just kind of a woman who lived out in the sticks coming in to get my wax. And she she would always make me feel very glamorous and stuff. But then after I started going there a bit longer, then she'd be telling me stories about the other clients. And I was like, it's about me too. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Never mentioning any names, never mentioning any names, but yes, there's a lot of stories. (laughs) No, no, she didn't. She really didn't. She didn't. She didn't. But like, yeah, telling stories about like the things she's experienced gazing into vaginas all day was like, some of those things I'd like to unhear. But um, 
Yeah, sadly, she passed away, didn't she? I know, it's so sad. So sad, age 50 with breast cancer. So we'll dedicate the episode episode to her. Yes, to To her and Thierry Mugler. Right, to her and Thierry Mugler. We will dedicate the episode to those two, two fabulous drag queens. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, bless Marilyn. I mean, uh, yeah, she was a lot of fun. And she was actually the most... I mean, okay, I shouldn't say this because other drag queens will not be happy. But yeah, she was uh, the most dedicated. She was in for the ride until the end and and more. And we were always talking about doing another season because we did like two seasons. That was the of concept. Trashburgers. Of yeah. the Trashburgers, yeah. And I remember <laughs> I'm trying to explain her the story. Like, okay, Marilyn, we're going to do this. You're going to be taking a shower and then you're going to do that. And then Marilyn, uh, Anthony will be in a phone booth talking. And, and it's like nothing makes sense at all. And even what I draw, it doesn't, you know, replicate anything. I leave the paper and I go, you got it. This is the script. <laughs> And then she turns to, to her friends like, you know what, but I don't get it. <laughs> and she goes like, what do you mean you don't get it? There is nothing to get. <laughs> it's like this guy's crazy. It's non- just nonsense <laughs> trash burger videos. Yeah. But I, 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 I had a, a vision. I, I was referencing some uh, Hitchcock movies. Ah. So I wanted to have her like psycho, like you yeah, know, having a shower. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted Anthony to uh, be in a phone booth with birds. Yeah. I wanted somehow to connect these two scenes yeah. where, you know, he would call her from there and she would come out of the shower. Yeah. And the shower has a, a ringtone, which is uh, the sound from psycho. Yeah. So creative. Yeah. But it was like, then you have to come up with a drama. It's like, what could be the worst drama ever? And why would he call from the phone booth? Because he lost his <laughs> iPhone. So he's like, Marilyn, I lost my iPhone. It's like, what? How did that happen? And anyway, but you can watch the rest and see what happens. Uh-huh. Who's Dangle a carrot. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, they were so fun. And she was like, her, her drag was perfect wasn't it like oh yeah she was just so fabulous she was so such a diva and so glamorous and she she had really good wigs that she was ordering from LA she was so into it and we were always talking we'll do it again right and um I don't know I might do something yeah for her but you know that next season was supposed to be happening on another planet. That was the the idea, and we never filmed it. So it would make yeah. sense now. And she'd also moved to Israel, right? Yeah, yeah. In Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? I can't remember. I think it was Tel Aviv. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's about the drag. And then I I met Brosia Salad. Ambrosia Salad was one drag queen that happened to live in Tokyo for couple of months working for H&M and um, so Ambrosia invites mm-hmm. me to come to San Francisco and then I go to San Francisco and then I meet all these other drag queens and then everything changes for me. San Francisco drag queens were so edgy and punk and crazy and 
uh, and I almost felt like everybody was in drag. There was no, yeah. Oh, this person you can't really tell. There was no rule, you know. Usually, kind of drag queen is usually somebody who is very feminine in general, and you know. But no, it doesn't really. You couldn't tell, and uh, so being there was almost like having everyday Halloween party where everybody's in different costumes so you can't put together who's who ever. You know, you keep seeing people, the same people, but you see them as different people because you you never get to really know them. So that was that was fun. That was really fun. And, and how did you end up meeting Roisin Murphy then and working with her? So Ambrosia Salad was obsessed with Regine Murphy. So every number she did was Regine Murphy. And she did this, Regine Murphy, this, and Malocco and whatever. And it's like, okay, it would be so amazing if we make a documentary about you doing Regine Murphy. And maybe it will reach out to her. And maybe that you will meet her. And that was left there. And came back to Japan and I couldn't be bothered to even look at the footage. It was too much. But then one day, I'm in England, Virginia Murphy has a concert, I go there, and I just decided to be crazy and try to, to contact her on social media, probably Facebook, I don't remember. And, and she responded, and I was like, I'm, I'm actually doing this uh, film about you, and it would be so great if I could have just like a one tiny comment for you. Like anything, just to kind of... And she's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. So, and then we met and she gave me the whole interview and I was so nervous. It was the most nervous I've ever been, which totally doesn't make sense. She's a very girl next door. She's very easygoing. She's not super famous anyway. And, you know, she's just arrived. You know, she kind of is though. She kind of is. She, to me, like, so, like, we're the same age or similar age, we're the same generation anyway. You know how you described that girl at the party in uh, Industria? Yes. She was that girl on the scene in the UK. Do you know what I mean? That's the vibe she has. She has that vibe of, like, she's the one who people are waiting to come to the party. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes so sense. I can understand. But, you know, some people who are famous, they're really intimidating. It's like... They're very, they don't want to okay. talk to you or, you know, like, don't come near me. Don't look. In, they have, like, bodyguards or, or some people around them. But, you know, she arrives to this cafe, which was by Chinatown near Soho. And um, and she arrives by herself with Uber and she waits in front. And I come down and pick her up. It's like there was nothing you know she was right. oh i see what you mean yeah. that's what you mean by she's not that famous yeah yeah and then see, we you. chatted a bit and then I, everything was not working for me like they couldn't get the mic to, to stay she was wearing some really weird dress that i couldn't put this through and then her microphone was falling off as she was talking like this and and I'm like sitting there and like being really nervous. And I'm thinking, if I don't get this right, I'm screwed. Like, Richard Murphy will be so angry with me. And then uh, once I had this interview, I had to then put the movie together. And then I went back to San Francisco and I went to L.A. as well, because some of those drag queens moved there. 
collecting some interviews and then I spent the whole month editing. I was doing that every day, all day. I didn't care about anything else, trying to make sense because it was too much footage and I didn't have script. So I had to put it together somehow. And the bottom line is she really liked it. I she like was it. So yeah. And after that, she had her first concert in in uh, US. And then she went to San Francisco and she met the drag queen. So everything really worked out for them, but they, I never heard from her. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy because uh, when you're a photographer or videographer, what you do is kind of you highlight other people's stories, right? Yes. And even if it's actually your stories that you're telling, you're telling through somebody else. But somehow you end up in the end, you know, somewhere in the background. Even even you produced, even you shot it and stuff. What people see is that person that's in a picture. They don't always think, oh, this photographer is amazing. They will be like, this model is amazing. Yes. And I mean, obviously, some photographers get to that point, right? You, Stephen Meisel. Yeah, you, I'm definitely you not know, one of those yet, photographers. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not uh, famous or anything. And I don't think people see my pictures and they're like, oh my God, this is such a great Alex's pictures. They see it and they're like, okay. People next. love the photos you took of me, though, especially my assistant. Yeah, that's one of her favorite ones. Yeah, for sure. But I was going to say, it's a bit like being a coach, actually, because you like you're always behind people. Yeah, right. Always like so people might you see somebody talking about something, you think, oh, we talked about that. But you don't you you keep yourself in the background. It's really interesting. Really interesting job. So as we kind of move to closing out this conversation, Alex, I wanted to ask you, like, how has your kind of COVID time been and how have you remained creative during COVID? And what's next for you? What's in the future for you? How have you remained current? How have you remained, you know, how have you kept things going and kept creative mm. and, and so on? That's a very good question. Some people pay me for this. <laughs> I didn't say that <laughs> once. I, I was... I was I was planning to use it <laughs> over and over because I always see this beginning. Yeah. It's a very good <laughs> question. And I forgot. So when people are in some difficult situation and when they don't have their usual comfort um, method or whatever, basically that's actually when creativity comes in. You have to be creative to make this work. You have to find a way to to live with this and that, right? So creativity probably happened for a lot of people. It wasn't the most beautiful time, I'm sure. But I think everybody had to learn to be creative in some way. How they work, how they uh, keep the fire in their relationship, how they stay relevant, how they stay in contact with other people so I guess I just did like anybody else I just you know did what I have to do and but I I was more like focused on how to work out that was that became so important for me I have to work out no matter what and then gyms are closed and that was killing me uh, because once I stopped working out I think my body works in different way and I started feeling depressed. So I ended up doing a lot of cycling. So cycling became my 
rescue. I would cycle all the way to Odaiba over and over and maybe some different parts of town, but it's I particularly like Odaiba because of these bridges and bridges became kind of um, metaphor for a lot of things, but you're also known as uh, building bridge, Sarah. Oh, that's right. That's how we first met when I was running a workshop for you about 15 years ago or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my and, God. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's a thing. What saved me is a lot of workouts and also I have a partner who is uh, very supportive and uh, wonderful to be with and that helped me. I I did a lot of photographs and um, it's it's insane. I, I don't know. I'm trying to now make sense out of it. Like you really triggered me. You're asking me, you know, to to even remember who I was and what they've done. And it's like, oh gosh, you know, I never had to do that. And I think if nobody asked me, I could go the whole life without looking back. But somehow people, you know, put you in that situation. I mean, of course, this makes sense. You know, you're going to do a podcast with me and, but you're applying for the job. They also want to know your achievements and your career development and stuff like that. So you always have to be looking back. Oh. And I don't want to. I just yeah. look, you know, forward or enjoy that. the and present moment. I mean, when we're together, usually we're not talking about things from the past. We're usually talking about just whatever's happening that day or maybe going to a bar together and pretending to be... <laughs> pretending like what do you think everybody thinks of us in here what do you and creating scenarios about who we are what do you think they think so much fun we have to do it again i know soon 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 i'm i'm so so because you said something to me that day you were playing the piano and i felt such a surge of creativity then it was like i felt this really strong urge to partner with people and things so like i wanted to start singing or I wanted to start to say how about you try this chord with that in how try this and it was just very I felt very um I think I just felt very connected and very but I'm a very self-conscious partnering person like sometimes I don't play well with others I like to be in charge (laughs) but what you actually said yeah Alex, this sounds like some indie movie. I loved it. And that's and that's and then we went out to pretend we were in an indie movie together. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, with the long boring scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Saying, what do you think all the straight people think of us in here? <laughs> looking for the bar. Yeah, yeah. Minutes later, still looking for the bar. <laughs> Let's go for one drink and then like, oh, that was a bit weak. Let's have a double. <laughs> we had a few drinks. Oh my god! We wasn't one drink in the end. Oh no, we had about five drinks, and then we ended up eating spam onigiri. Oh god, <laughs> and you took the best photograph ever. Actually, I must use that in my pre- PR somewhere. That's your yeah. LinkedIn picture. I should put that on my LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it should be my LinkedIn picture. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, yes. When I'm feeling cheeky, I could do that for sure. Um, holding a can of Heineken and own spam on a giri <laughs> outside a drinks machine in, in Tokyo. Amazing. I wish poor people would live a bit more authentically in that way, but hey, 
it is what it is. And if I want to get executive clients, I need to look a little bit professional. <laughs> yeah, RuPaul said, if you want to make money, you need to wear a suit. And he's right. You know, he's not stupid. You know, he's not daft. And he also says, if you want to be treated well, if you want to be treated better. So like at airports and stuff like that. So that's how you got through COVID. And what's next is just look more creativity, more honest and humor with. Oh, and that's the other thing you said to me that day. You said surround yourself with inspiring people and be creative or something like that. And that's stuck in my mind so much. I know, don't you, you, you're always worried about sounding pretentious, but it was very, very authentic when you said it, it was really genuine. Yeah, I mean, inspire is maybe the good word. And then you will, you know, blossom in general. But, you know, I think it sounded more smart than that. But now that I'm thinking if somebody told me that, I would be like, okay, get a life. <laughs> yeah, put that on a picture of a waterfall and put it on Instagram. <laughs> but I, I appreciated that. And I think, for me as well it's just about like being really comfortable with people you don't have to put on put on anything for them or like watch yourself just being able to kind of hang out and yeah you played the piano we play together we drink champagne it's fun it's not like we have the choice but, but it's productive as maybe well. we have the choice but that, okay I want to believe that we have the choice that we can be with people that we we want to be with so if you're running a company and then you have staff working for you or with or people working with you, you want to be with people who you enjoy, then it's going to be a pleasure to go to work and do projects and stuff like that. I think that's the goal, right? That's the point, you know, when you have a photo shoot and you have other people working with you, it has to be like a family, you know, you're all having a good time. I mean, it's nothing worse than being with people that you don't really enjoy and then you feel little and it's not good for anyone. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. Or maybe it's good for them. I don't know. Yeah, it could be good for them. You don't know. Or, or just neutral. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Or just, they're just not thinking about it in the same way that people who have got a lot of empathy think about things. So I'm going to ask the closing question now then, Alex, which is there are many ways to lead a life. What does that mean to you? There's many ways to lead a life. That means like a lot of possibilities. Mm. Love it. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Is that good enough? So relaxing. <laughs> and we started out, I'm, like one of the things that I'm taking away from this is like bridges. We started out with bridges. You talked about the bridge in Serbia. We, then you were talking about the bridge, the rainbow bridge in uh, Odaiba and cycling over it. And then you reminded me that I'm building bridges, Sarah, <laughs> from uh, another life. My, when, that was when I was another woman and doing a different thing. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned a bridge three times. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, yeah, yeah. bridges. I like that. Yeah, me you know, too. I, I read somewhere and I don't even know where and it's beautiful and it says like simply you deserve to take a break relax for a moment you made it this far take that in thank you Alex and where can we find you where can people find you what's your YouTube the end <laughs> and how could where can we find you online do you mind if we link to your YouTube in the comments? Please do that. That could be amazing uh, if anybody's ever interested to, to see any of my work. But um, 
Yeah, and I'm also Genki Serb on Instagram. Genki Serb, G-E-N-K-I-S-E-R-B, Genki Serb on Instagram. Yeah. You can see all his beautiful Hirotaka campaigns on there as well. Some, yeah. Some. I think Tiziana is on my last post. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, so I think uh, Instagram is the way to go. This is where everybody goes and this is where everything could be seen. Finally. And I, I just um, put into YouTube on a search, copy, lick my brain in silence. And your your video comes up, the one from 16 years ago. The first ever music video on YouTube. That's it's, it's so bad. You, you can actually it. hear, you can hear me directly. At the her. end. I can. You can hear my voice because the, the point was I wanted to create the effect of how creative where her like face kind of doubles up in a mirror effect, uh, which is basically one button on an iMovie at the mm-hmm. time. And But if she moves her head, it, just it looks doesn't like, work. Yeah, it's you weird. Know? So she, she needs to keep, keep it still and she needs to keep singing. And I keep s- telling her, don't move your head, don't move your head. So I, through the whole filming, that's what I'm saying. And sometimes you can hear it. Oh, well, I love it. I love that. And I love that there's a story to it. And I love that you made history there. And also you can put in Rasheen Murphy realness and that will come up on YouTube as well. So you can find him through there. And that's a great little um, documentary. It's only about 20 minutes long, so it doesn't take long to watch. Alex, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight listening thank to you, you. And, and hearing your, your creativity. Very fucking creative, very fucking humble, but also hilarious. Um, so today I'm taking away so many things from this, especially I'll be looking out for bridges. I'll probably try and visit one this next couple of days just to just to see what's in there, because I like to follow the breadcrumbs or follow the Alice in Wonderland down the, the rabbit hole and see what happens. And uh, mm. it's just fun, right? Why not? Why not? Why not encourage a little magic in your life as well? dedicate this to our lovely Marilyn Klein and um, thanks everybody for listening I'm Sarah Faruya from Sarah Faruya Coaching I believe there are many ways to lead a life and that everybody has stories and I want to tell them thanks Alex bye bye thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Faruya Legends podcast Hop over to sarahferuya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers, if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not, but these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Faruya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Faruya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.